and welcome to the Vuma podcast series, Let's Talk Faith. My name is Jack Devnarine. The outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic put many faith leaders under pressure as communities were knocked sideways by the events of 2020. But now we are further down the line. Let's find out how things have changed. Today in studio, we're joined by the Reverend Ndebele from the Evangelical Church. So let's go to the initial stages, Reverend, of the lockdown, when the COVID pandemic became a part of our lives. What were some of your biggest challenges when you were engaging with your communities? Well, uh, it was a bit a, a big challenge in the sense that I come from a Baptist church and the first person who have known to have died of the COVID-19 was Reverend John Shangeni in, in Bloemfontein. Oh. He's one of our senior ministers. So in a way, the church was caught unprepared. Mm-hmm. We were just thrown in, in, into, into the deep end. We had to live with the reality of how do we move from there, especially because when, when you look at the issue of the COVID-19 at the time, it, it literally divided the church in terms of, of the views. Others saw it, you know, that no, it is, it's something that, 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 we, we, that was demonic, Mm-hmm. and so forth. They saw it as a spiritual attack. And others said, but if you're a Christian, you, 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 you cannot be infected. And yes. you find people starting, you know, applying faith, others saying that, no, I'll apply the blood of Jesus and all those things. Yeah. So it actually caught the church totally unprepared. That, it must have been such a, a, a time of, of confusion and fear. I suppose fear comes out of that. Yes. And then there is an added responsibility on the church then to try to get people to accept the situation and, and to understand the dynamics of that, the reality of it. Um, do you think that the, the, the church or do you think faith leaders generally were successful in trying to get people to understand what was going on? No, it, it is interesting enough for to know that it was actually the church leaders who, through SACC and other national structures, when addressing the issues, saw the need to go to hard lockdown and and also looking at the regulations in terms of, of the disaster management at the time. The, it was also the church leaders who started writing down, you know, the, the guidelines for, for the church to, to, to navigate during this uh, hard period of, of the lockdown. Do you think the role of the church then changed as people became more aware of how to manage within that public health uh, disaster that COVID was. Do you think the way in which the church approached people and approached the situation changed over time or was it pretty constant? Well, it was, it was a bit difficult because the church found itself, according to my view, in, in a difficult situation whereby half of the church were, you know, did, did, did not want to adapt and half of the church wanted to adapt. This is where you find that you you would have part of the church leadership saying that people must uh, put on mask, vaccinate, and all those things, and others saying no, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, and especially the closure of churches, others saying that those leaders who were in favor of clo- of the closure of the total closure of churches were in bed with the state, oh. and others said no. You know, you need to have the separation of powers between the state and the church and so forth. Mm. And that allowing the, the state to, to intervene in terms of the lockdown of the church was, 
was was, was submitting to the authority of the state, and that that had divided the church at that time. It's a difficult situation, though, because on the one hand, you know that the the church is such a powerful force for communication and to get people to understand what we are living through. So it was essential that government had to consult with church bodies such as yes. yours. Um, and had government not done so, then equally people would have been very upset by that. Why didn't they consult us? Yeah, but also the, the consultation of the, of the government has always remained being questioned because the the government would say that we have consulted with the church, with the religious sector, with our church leaders. Others would say, but they did not consult with my church. <laughs> so in other words, you, you would have the organized uh, church, church structures and unorganized church structures. And so those who were not with, within the organized groups felt that they were left outside and that people were speaking on their behalf without their consent. So it was, a, it was a difficult situation. Let's talk about the, the unorganized sector for a bit. Um, do you think enough was being done to bring them into the conversation? And, and how do you relate to that side of the sector? The challenge of the unorganized se- part of the church was difficult in the sense that whether you look at any denomination, you'd find that with, with, within a local communities, you'd have in a, a different uh, church organizations. And others would, fall, would affiliate to, to, to the organized structures and others would not. And those who were not in, in, in a local area, they would overpower those who are in the organized sector like your, your SACC or the TISA, TISA which is the Evangelical Association of South Africa. So it makes them to, to see others as a threat to, to their own freedom as well. Do you think generally, though, the message of how to manage COVID and how to roll out vaccines, was that message being shared and was that being adopted even by the unorganized sector? We, we did reach out to, to the un, un, unorganized. Mm-hmm. And because of, of that, it, was then, it became easier for people to, to accept, especially when they began to see ministers themselves or pastors or priests dying of, of, of the COVID-19. That brought some, you know, change in terms of, of, the, of how people look at, at the matter. And they started saying, yes, let us see how we can work together to make sure that we do not have much infections as well. So ultimately, that actually worked out. We're going to take a brief pause and we'll be back right after this. Thank you. Before the tragedy even hit, God had already provided the solution mm. by putting that information in the minds of scientists by by preparing us in such a way that in two years, for the first time, we practiced what Judaism preaches, Adonai Elchai, God is one, humanity is one, and guess what? Scientists all over the world ignored the political barriers, worked together, and in 24 months, we had a vaccine. Welcome back, everyone. Reverend, I'm I'm fascinated about the particular intersection between faith and science. And in the context of COVID, as we're dealing with it as a public health issue, what was the meeting point? Was there congruency, I think, is ultimately the question. Was there congruency between faith and the science of dealing with COVID? That is a very difficult one, isn't it? Because one... Because of the, the, the nature of, of the church, 
and especially the doctrine in terms of beliefs of people. Because yet those who were totally against vaccinations in, in this case, and we had those who were in favor of, of the vaccinations. I remember that it was the church in the Methodist Church in Cape Town that said that the blood of Jesus would not save you from from COVID. You know, using that statement to encourage people uh, to vaccinate. And so, when you look at it in terms of that statement, it was the church looking back to itself to say that yes, we 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 have a a, a faith standpoint. But at the same time, we need to live within the reality of the COVID-19. And that in order to save both ourselves and our, and our communities, it is important for us, I mean, to, to accept science and to see that we can only go through this as a nation if we attend the matter scientifically, because it was definitely important for us to do that. That's always a difficult one because I remember also in the very early stages, this was even before the first lockdown, I remember the Reverend Kenneth Meshwe, the leader of the ACDP, attended, um, uh, it was a huge religious gathering for Christian people. I think it was in the Free State. Yes, it was in the Free State. And it was from there that I think he was infected for the first time. For the first time. Yes. So uh, obviously there there must be some, some understanding as well uh, within church groups that we also have a responsibility when it comes to gatherings. And a lot of churches took that very seriously and felt, well, you know, maybe we can't gather in the groups that we would normally gather in, uh, in order to prevent bigger you know, infections. Yes. Do you think people or, or within church groups, that message was taken seriously enough? Or, or, or do you think that they waited too late until the infection started to happen before they, they had to adapt. There are two ways to look at that. Is One, I think in my earlier statement, I said that the church was caught unprepared mm. and that it also exposed that within the, the broader church, there were the haves and the have-nots. So with the haves are those churches who are financially viable, who've got all the systems running in place, who are able to care for the, uh, both clergy and laity, but within the churches that uh, that were poor churches, small churches, they they then look at at the at, at resources, financial resources. That how do they sustain themselves? So, in other words, you find people making sure that they have meetings even even during lockdowns, mm-hmm. purely because of financial uh, sustainability, because some of them without church coming meeting. Weekly, they had no no income, and for them to have income, they then decided to have meetings. And remember that there were people who would even go up and have meetings. They would not have meetings in their church buildings. They would have meetings in private homes. Yes, and this is where most of the infections were then taking place. So it it, it took a lot of time for for the church to really adapt and and realize that this uh, that COVID nineteen and COVID infections were real as they began to see more and more people being infected, especially within the church. Let's talk about the the haves and the have-nots that you referenced earlier. Obviously, those with fewer resources would would feel a greater negative impact through lockdown. You know, people are losing work, people are, are getting infected, and yet their access to healthcare facilities is even more difficult. So where did you find your time, your effort, your resources being spent between the balance of the have and have-nots? 
Well, we within our denomination, as an example, we 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 had to create a COVID relief fund for both ministers, and at the same time, we had to begin to look with within the community, identify families mm. who, who would need assistance, and and also within the the, the broader church, identify structures that, that that you could use to try and and and, and assist the community. So it had to be a concerted effort to making sure that you, you do not just look at your ministers, but you also begin to look at, at, at the, the general membership because the general membership, some of them had nothing or, I mean, to, to survive, especially during that time. Because it was during this period that most people lost their jobs and others, uh, even if they, they did not lose their jobs, they, they found themselves, they had to be away from work I mean, without pay, and that affected their livelihoods. True. It's, it's often said that even through times of tragedy and disaster, you never know where the blessings can be found. Precisely. And I, I sometimes reflect and wonder, even through this terribly difficult time of, of COVID, which we have to admit we are still going through, do you think there are still blessings to be found within that, in perhaps in the way we relate to each other, in an appreciation of the fragility of life, in the way people now perhaps engage in their faith again? Where are those blessings to be found? Yeah, you know, when you look at that, uh, what, we, what, what we, we have found a blessing in, in the COVID-19 is it, it, has, it made us as, as faith leaders to re-look really at how we conduct worship in terms of times because, you know, the, the, we, we had to begin to look at, at, uh, at worship post-COVID. How does the church exist post-COVID? So that you, you then begin to realize that the, 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 the time of having three-hour and four-hour church services is gone. You need to begin to have shorter services, mm. one, so which have got greater impact. Number two, remember that during the the hard lockdown, they just started uh, streamlining all, all their services and so forth through Facebook. Others who, who would also use WhatsApp and other and other uh, social means to to communicate or to make sure that they have fellowship, and that has continued. So what that has done as well, it has boosted people's uh, faith, and people are now able to to manage both their spiritual time or their time at church as well. There's something very positive that we came up with out of that experience. And from that, perhaps uh, we have a new appreciation for how technology helps us in the way we engage with the church and each other. Precisely, yes. <laughs> because now it's, it, it becomes easier. You find people that even now when, when, when time, church is, is able to, to function at, at 100% capacity, People still stream live, so yes. you, you find that people are able to miss church, but they do not miss having the same experience. So people have accepted especially uh, this new way of fellowship, Thank different times. Nice. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, Reverend. Join us again next time on Vuma Podcast, Let's Talk Faith, where we will further unpack the crucial role community faith and faith leaders have played in helping us all through the ongoing COVID crisis. And remember, COVID-19 has not gone away. And being vaccinated greatly reduces your chances of severe illness, long COVID, hospitalization, and even death. 
Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you next time.